Amen. Save Samuel chapter 6. Let's all stand together. And that's page 361 if you've not found it by now. We have looked at storms through the window of the ark. We looked at salvation through the window of Rahab the harlot. Tonight I want to look at sarcasm through the window. Now, her name is either... Bible writers call her McCall. I've always pronounced it Michael. But Bible words call her McCall. So I'll let you... Let's just, for the sake of this, let's call her Michael. Sarcasm through the window of Michael. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David... Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Whoa. Brother Joey leads to the throne of grace. Oh, yes. Amen. lady came to her pastor once and she said, Listen, pastor, I, I need to talk to you. You're offending me. And he said, Well, ma'am, how am I offending you? And uh, she said, Your tie hangs about two to three inches below your belt, and a tie properly worn should break at your belt buckle. So he reaches in the drawer, and he pulls out a pair of scissors, and he said, I wouldn't want to offend you for nothing in the world, so you just cut the tie off where you think it needs to go. So she rested over, and about, just about the belt buckle, she just clipped it off. He said, okay, you happy now? She said, why, sure. And she gets up, and he says, stop it, hold it. Well, ma'am, since you brought the subject up, you're offending me. And he took the bar of scissors, okay, stick that tongue out. Amen. Have you ever been criticized? Have you ever, your motives, been challenged or misunderstood? Have you ever found yourself the object of someone else's jealousy or anger? How do we respond? What should we do? What should be our response to verbal criticism? Winston Churchill, one of his greatest critics, was a woman by the name of Lady Astor. And I mean, these two were, were enemies all their life. One day she said, If you were my husband, I'd poison your coffee. Churchill looked at her long and hard and then took the cigar from between his teeth and said, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. <laughs> D.L. Moody received a note one time in just one big word, fool. That night he got up before a congregation of several thousand and said, over the years I've received many notes without a signature. But it's the first time I ever got a note where they signed it without giving me the note. <laughs> As we look at this thing of 
sarcasm. And my prayer tonight is that we all at times have been guilty of being critical and criticized and sarcastic. Here we find David is as he is uh, king now and, and Saul and Jonathan and his sons have died and David's now on the throne. And, but there's something missing. David purposes in his heart to go back and get that ark, a type of the presence and the power of God to bring back into the city. And as he goes, you're going to find that uh, he, he uh, starts to bring it back and in the midst of all of that, they have a tragedy. Someone, they, they put the ark on a cart and the ark was just about a box about that big and as it began to rock on the cart, a man rest up to steady it and God killed him. It's just that simple. And so David puts it in the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. And so he comes back and he begins to read the Word of God. Find out how the dead ark is to have staves or poles put through rings and carried on the shoulder of the Levites. And as David figures all this out, he brings it back in and my, they're, they're having a time. They're praising God. They are having an absolute uh, uh, Pentecostal Baptist fit out there. It's what they're doing. I mean, they are dancing, praising God. They're having a time. But there's one person looking through a window. And she's very sarcastic and very critical. Know with me the time. It was a time of great rejoicing. Isn't that amazing? The moment that they were rejoicing, the, it had been a hundred years since the ark had been separated from its appointed place. hundred years it had been out of place. And now, all of a sudden, it's coming back into place. As a matter of fact, when it was stolen in 1 Samuel 4.21, you'll find that it was such a sad affair that the Bible says that, that uh, a dear lady was having a child and she named it Ichabod. The glories departed. Let me say this. I believe across our country and across our land, churches will meet everywhere tonight where there are deader than a hammer and the glories departed. Within those. Now he's bringing it back. And oh my goodness as he does. The Bible says they brought up the ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. I mean they're excited. It's a time of rejoicing. Not only the moment of David rejoicing. But notice the manner. The Bible says that so David went and brought up the ark of God. From the house of Obed-Edom into the house of David. With gladness. The word gladness means fullness of joy. You, we, we see David's feelings are exp, uh, expressed. They're, they're experienced. He, he, here's a man and they're just, they're just praising God. And all of a sudden, it's in a time of rejoicing. I stand amazed. During this time, David, he's king of Israel. I mean, he's got position. He's got rank. He does something. He takes off his royal robe and lays it aside. He takes off his kingly crown 
and lays it aside and says, there's just one King of kings and Lord of lords and I aim to worship Him and He just acted like all the rest of the, everybody around Him. Can I help you tonight? The day you get to thinking you're too good to praise God, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong business. Amen. It is good to rejoice. And it was a time of rejoicing. The Bible says in Psalms 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. What a glorious day when we can learn to rejoice. And I'm not just talking about public. I believe your greatest rejoicing ought to be when there's nobody else around. Amen. I, I love this. The first time Joe came and he started praising God. I loved it. Francis told me this. She told, she told on you. Amen. Here's what she said. And by the way, this meant the world to me. She said, Preacher, you that way at home. She said, he acts that way at home. She said, she, told, she said, he acts that way when there's nobody around. Just him and God. Oh, I want you to know your rejoicing ought to be as great and as powerful and as glorious when there's nobody around. When you're, you know, there's some people like stage. You know what I mean? Some people like to be seen. They like to be noticed. They like to be recognized. But the greatest rejoicing you'll ever have is find you a place somewhere there's nobody and just have yourself a fit and praise God for His goodness and His mercy. Time of rejoicing. But notice, the cold water of rebuke. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael Saul's daughter looked through a window Saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. I love this. David's praising God. He gets down, he starts winding down a little bit. David returned to bless his household. He gave everybody some some wine and some, some bread and some meat. And, and boy, they're praising God. He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take this and bless your household. David goes and he starts to, to bless his household. And I can see him as he starts up his sidewalk. And here she comes through the door. The Bible says she met him. She comes through the door. And I'm telling you, she... She's not rejoicing. She's, she's meaner than a junkyard dog. Amen. She comes out with a bucket of cold water to throw on everything that's been going on. David's heart's full and running over. I mean, this is one of the greatest days in the nation's history and one of the greatest days in his life. He returned to bless his household. What bless means the intention of kneeling with his family and coming together and saying, well, let's, let's praise God together. She comes out with a bucket of ice cold water. I, I know a little bit of how David feels. In 2003, August 17th, 2003 was our first Sunday 
in this building. And I ain't gonna lie to you, I was excited about it. This what a, this was one of the this was a landmark day for us and for our church and and we'd been we'd been in a little white building stacked in like cordwood and and I, I'm telling you the, the air conditioning it, on a on a hot day best it does about about eighty five people sweating is is terrible. And we got we had this brand new building, and man, it was a great day, and it's an exciting day, and we all got together. We come in together. Oh my, my, what, hallelujah! What a day it was! In what God had blessed us with, but there was one home with a long lip, angry, mad, done all he could to throw cold water on time of rejoicing. Oh, how sad that is. We find that Michael's standing there. I think she's, I think, I think she's got, maybe some of you can show me how it's done. Throw her hands on her lips. I can't believe what you just done. You see yourself? I mean, she is fit to be, to, my, 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 she said, didn't a king the great and the mighty king put on a display today. And I believe David was broken hearted. How could you uncover yourself in front of the handmaids of your servants? When I say that, listen, he didn't, he didn't strip off naked. You've got to understand something. He's king of Israel. He was to never take off his royal robe. You know what he did? He just took off his royal robe. He, still had, he had a lot of clothes on underneath. Amen. He wasn't naked, but he wasn't. That's what she's talking about. You're a king of Israel and acting like the common person. How could you act the way you did? Don't you have any shame? How in the world could you embarrass me like that? All the time he's outside rejoicing. Have you ever heard words like that? She accused David of embarrassing her. She said, I can't believe that dancing and carrying on you did. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. Literally like they would go into the, to the ark to worship. What she was saying was, how could you act and behave the way you did? Why is she so critical? Let me give you three things why she's so critical. Number one, the devotion was despised. Now, you, you may not get this, but you need to, because God tells you twice. Michael, Saul's daughter. Michael, the daughter of Saul. Don't miss this. Saul was the daughter of an embittered Saul, a man known for his fits of rage and contempt of David. David was a man after God's own heart. Michael was a lot like her father. <laughs> I'm glad Darlene's in, out here in the Patch Club. The other day, she, her, her mother always wore this certain kind of bedroom shoes. And it ain't been that long ago, she come to the house with a pair of them shoes on, I said, oh my gosh. You've turned into your mama. <laughs> That's a folk. Just she looked just just looked just like her mama. 
Now, her mom, I loved her mom. Her mom was a great um, a lady. Some of you got a bad mother-in-law. I had a great mother-in-law. She was better to me than my mom. I feel sorry for you that your mother-in-law was a devil, you know. David was committed to the Lord. Michael lived for herself, thought only of herself. David sought to give glory to God with his life. Michael sought only the material and the temporal. David would celebrate the goodness of God, but Michael was at home pouting and boiling with her own selfish feelings. Oh, the verse 16, she despised him in her heart. I need you to stop right there. I want you to, if, you, if you're accustomed to marking your Bible, you ought to mark that little phrase right there. I, I believe it goes a long ways to place, to place, place in this thing big time later on. She despised the devotion of the Lord she saw expressed by David. I love this. I can think of a wife or husband that is saved, loves the Lord, serving God, seeking on Him with his or her life, but to have a spouse that is not saved and does not have the same spiritual values they did. I want to be honest with you. I'm just going to stop here. and I want to just have a shout and fear right now. Let me tell you the greatest gift I have apart from salvation, apart from being saved, is I have a wife that loves the ministry as much as I do. And she shares it. I find a devotion that was despised. And it's shame when you ask somebody, why don't you just pack your bags and move down to that church when you want to do something? Get ready to go on visitation or church activity. And first, because you spend so much time down to church. Actions were attacked. Michael was critical of how David behaved. She attacked his dress, his dance, his personal behavior, his public behavior. I rejoiced. He couldn't do nothing right that day. Motives were misunderstood. She said, well, you just uncovered yourself so the handmaids could see you. See, criticism and sarcasm comes when someone misunderstands the motives of others. How do you handle criticism? A time of rejoicing. Note the cold water rebuke, but notice a determined reaction. Now here's where I'm going to get you. Now if you slept through part one and two, don't sleep through this part. This is, this is really the meat of the message. And I, I promise you, I had a lot more to say in part one and two, so I've trimmed that part. I'm not going to trim this, because we need this. How do you respond? Husband was always criticizing his wife. One day she had all she could take. She said to her, how would you like if you did not see me for about three days? He replied, that'd be very nice. About three days later, the husband could see just a little out of one one eye. (laughs) I love that. We know that reacting and responding in a Christian-like and God-like way David responds to this sarcasm and criticism. And I'm going to tell you, we can glean some things from here that we all need. Number one, what he determined. Now this is when, this is when Christianity gets more than, than, than kindergarten. This is when Christianity gets very real, what he determined. 
Notice what he did. Verse 21. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, therefore, because of this, hey, Michael, you didn't put me here. You didn't call me. You didn't put me here. God put me here. God chose me over your daddy. That's what he told her. God chose and put me here. Michael, you didn't put me here. God put me here. Notice what he said. Therefore, because of that, therefore, I will play before the Lord. David said, what I did, I did for the Lord. I wasn't trying to draw attention to myself. I wasn't trying to bring shame to you or to myself. I was doing it all because of the one who chose me and made me a king. The word play literally means to laugh. I mean, David said to Michael, I don't care what you say. I'm going to continue to praise the Lord and rejoice in all He does for me. I, whatever you got to do, do it. David says to Michael, your criticism is not going to stop or silence me. David was determined, I'm going to keep praising God. Here's what he said. He said, when sarcasm and criticism comes... He said, you don't have to let it discourage you, defeat you, or distract you. <laughs> we was trying to keep out beer out here and wrote his. And I'd been to the store. I'll never forget him. woman said, what are you doing down at that church? Rolling people in wheelchairs to vote it down. I said, man, I ain't vote anybody in wheelchairs. But I would. <laughs> Amen. Just keep on living for God. Keep on serving God. Keep on honoring God with all your life because at the end of the day, don't make any difference. Now, don't miss this. Don't be, you know, we used to say this. I mean, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. What a lie. Hey, young people, look here at me. That's the biggest lie that's ever been told. Words do hurt. And many times they can carry a lasting, lasting effect. Sometimes they can carry a tremendous effect. A judge had been frequently criticized and ridiculed by a conceited lawyer. When asked by a friend, why didn't he rebuke the lawyer? It was his answer. In our town lives a widow who has a dog. Whenever the moon shines, it goes outside and barks all night. Having said that, the judge changed the conversation to another subject. Finally, they couldn't take it. But judge, what about the dog and the moon? All of this is, oh, replied the judge. The moon went on shining. The moon went on shining, that's all. The moon went on shining. Oh, just keep on shining. 
Don't let criticism stop or silence you. H.R. Ironside suggested to Robert A. Cook, president of King's College, who had received some very pointed criticism. He sought out his dear friend and put his heart to him about the matter and Ironside listened and then said, Bob, if the criticism about you is true, mend your ways. If it isn't, forget about it. What he determined. Number two, what he decided. He decided he would humble himself even more. And I will yet be more vile than thus. Now the word vile there means he's this. He said, I am going to take myself even more lighter than what I have. Now I will be based in my own sight. In other words, here's what he said. Here's, here's what he said. He said, I'll humble myself. Michael, if you think that was something, I'm telling you now, I aim to humble myself more than what I did today. What David just saying was, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be a king. And I owe it all to him. Isn't it amazing how humility overpowers pride? And how many times pride makes us critical and criticizing. Notice this. Said, is it true? When we're criticized, the first question is it true? Then if it's not, let me suggest you four suggestions. Number one, commit the matter instantly to God. And ask Him to remove any resentment or bitterness and teach you to learn what any little ever lesson you need to learn. Several years ago, I got three letters. And um, very, very critical. And I got the first letter and I sat down and read it. And my first reaction was, let's got that sort off run, I'll just shoot him on the spot, you know, be done with it. But the more I thought about it, the more I read it. And I started looking at the letter real carefully. And you know what? Some of what he said was true. Some of what he said was true. And so, don't you, don't you would love to know what he said? And I ain't going to tell you. But I, I worked and said, I, I can fix that. I, I can fix that. Now, some of his criticism wasn't true. But what it was true, I said, I can fix that. Number two, remember that we're all sinners. And the one who has criticized you, they don't even begin to know the worst about you. A pastor went to his preacher friend and he said, Say, going to vote me out Sunday. He said, what's wrong? He said, they got three things. He said, go home and write down the other 97 things they don't know about. Get up there and just say, listen, they got three things they're going to vote me out on, but I got 97 up here they don't know nothing about and preach. And that's exactly what he done. And then nothing else was ever said. I want to ask you, be, I, I, love, what, I think it was Jessica. 
Jessica got punished for something she'd done wrong. She's always doing something wrong anyway. Doing something wrong. And I asked her, she said, I, I didn't, Papa, I didn't do it. I said, okay, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. I said, have you ever done something you didn't get caught? And she said, yep. I said, well, they're just catching up, that's all. Just catching up. You know the truth of the matter is? Somebody will criticize us. We get all flustered, but if they knew everything about us, what would they think then? <laughs> what would they think then? Number three, if you have made a mistake, listen, if you have made a mistake, humble, humbly and frankly confess it to God and anyone you've hurt. Number four, be willing to learn afresh that you're not infallible, that you need God's grace and wisdom every day of the week. You're not infallible. There's not a one of us who's not going to do something stupid. How many of you have done something stupid? You said, I'm stupid. I, 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 not, not too long ago, I got my blades off my lawnmower. I mean, I sharpened them things. I mean, they were just, I mean, they were sharp. Now, I said, I'm going to try this out. Run right across the yard, right across a brand new water hose. It was sharp. Brand, brand new water hose. Stupid. Oh, don't admit, be willing to learn afresh. Be willing to learn afresh. Now, if you happen to be the sarcastic, the critical one, I've got three things for you as well. Number one, and this almost never fails. Are you listening? Stop isolating yourself. Understand what you said, son, about getting along and God helping you. I'm talking about when you start distancing yourself from people, you'll start getting critical. Get in the middle of them. Find out what's going on. Be, be around them. Stop isolating yourself. David's out here rejoicing. He's going to get the ark. Everybody's with him. They're having a time. To, whoo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They're excited. Where's she at? Where's she at? She's home by herself looking out the window. Stop isolating yourself. Number two, share the same heart for the ministry. Share the same heart for the ministry. They're going to get the ark. They're bringing the ark back. The power and the presence of God to bring an eye back. Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? <laughs> I love this kid. I, I hope you just give me a whole pew of them. All right, be okay with me. Bless God. Amen. You know, not, you, you, you think, what you don't understand, she's a listening. Could you repeat what I just said? Oh, I want you to know. Share a heart for the ministry. Let me, let me tell you why, why people get critical. 
is because they don't share the Hey, husbands and wives, let me tell you why husbands and wives struggle in ministry. Here's the reason why. One loves the ministry and one doesn't. They don't share the same heart for ministry. I don't care what that ministry is. I, what, what makes Joey good with our music is, is Linda shares the heart and Sarah shares the heart for the ministry. What he's doing. You know, you know the reason why the bus ministry works good? is because Gina and Sarah share the heart of the men that's running the bus ministry. I'm going to be honest with you. It's tough. It's tough to work a ministry with somebody pulling the other way and the ministry's pulling you this way. Pretty soon he'll pull you clean in too. I mean, I'm, I'm we're approaching a 25th year here in, in October. And I can honestly tell you, there has never been a time, there has never been a time when I say, Darlene, I know you've been home all week by yourself, but I need to go to church and pray. What she does now is Saturday evening, ain't she going to go pray? <laughs> She's never, not one time, not once has she ever said, I would to God you wouldn't go. There have been a couple of times I've looked at her face and knew she didn't want me to. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't go. I stayed. Sometimes I've had to go though. See, share the ministry. Number three, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Serve. The Bible says he dwelt among all the people, even among the whole congregation, multitude of Israel, as well as to the women as men. Tell everyone a cake of bread. Can I, can I stop our time out right now? Everybody look this way. Somebody had to pass out that bread. And a good piece of flesh. Somebody had to pass out the meat. And a flagon of wine. Somebody had to pass out. So all the people departed everyone to his own house. Now here's the difference between this is what service is, serving versus what do you want me to do? What you want me to do is it's got to be perfect when you get there and lined up for you and all this stuff. No, no, that's not serving. Here's what serving is. What, what, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm here to do whatever you want me to do. If it's move a chair, if it's whatever it is. I, I, those people that's around there and they're passing out that bread and they're passing. I, I'm going to tell you something. No, I mean, if one hand a piece of bread, say, boy, hey, God be good. Yes, here, God. Hallelujah. God's good. Get another piece of bread and hand out. A something about serving. There's something about serving. And I'm going to be honest with you that, that, that you just can't buy at Walmart. There's something about serving. Let me give you why. I, I said this. And she wouldn't change. I want you to listen to it. I want you to listen to one verse. And, and all of our kids are in the fellowship hall right now, so I don't think I'm going to be out of, out of turn here. And she despised... Him in her heart. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Here's either one of two things that's happened, and I'm not sure which one. Either God said, 
your sarcastic and criticism, I'm not going to let you reproduce. She lived a lonely, lonely life. God said, I'm not going to let you reproduce. Or, and she despised him in her heart. I'm not so sure that David didn't say, I'm not going to divorce you, but mm, we're not going to be intimate. I'm not so sure she didn't destroy the love in his heart that he had for her. I'm just, we're just, I'm just sharing my heart with you now. I'm not so sure that she didn't destroy that love with that criticism and sarcasm. I'm not so sure she didn't destroy that love. I, 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 I don't know. That, let me, let's just, let's just time out for here just a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm done. We, we ought to be careful of the words we say to one another. Yeah. Uh, we, we should. We, we ought to be careful. We ought to be careful how we talk. We ought to, we ought to be kind to one another. We ought to talk to one another well. Because those words sometimes can, can, can rip the love right out of a home and life and marriage. Hey, you young people. Young people now, especially young people that are in here now. Uh, look up here just a little bit. It's time, it's time you started being accountable for your words and what you say and how you say it. You're old enough. It's time to be accountable. Quit using the excuse why I didn't mean it. Then, If you didn't mean it, keep your mouth shut. Shut up. Because you're old enough for your words to be accountable. And words can be so destructive. Sarcastic and criticism can really, can really. I, I, it, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the men that went down in history as great criminals, and many of them were in a church sometime where somebody made fun of them, or told them, or was unkind to them, and they left to never darken the doors. Let's let's be kind to one another. Sarcastic. That's all. Stand to our feet.